Hey, I'm Jamie. I'm here with Ryan Von Ness. Ryan, the last time we chatted on the podcast, you had just changed careers, but I know from your side, you always are thinking with the longer term view. And every time you've made changes in your career, you've thought, okay, well, where am I actually moving towards in a bigger vision space? Uh, and I know how your year ended up going, but I'm really keen to dig into it in more detail and hear how the, the years have been going since we last chatted. Cool. First up, thanks very much for having me back on the show. I know we chatted previously and that was a great conversation. It was really good opportunity for me to reflect. You know, life passes by really quickly and I really enjoyed that. So thanks for giving myself and other people the platform just to share their story, which is the everyday hero. Not that I'm a hero yet. So just, <laughs> just thanks for that. No, man. Absolute pleasure. So when we chatted last, I had broken into user experience design and that was really big for me because coming from a background of account management and client service, I was very much a, a manager, a doer, and I'd always felt that thinking was my greatest strength. Mm. I know a lot of people would love to be full-time thinkers and not doers, <laughs> but the grounding in action really made me believe that strategy is nothing without execution. And yes. I got deep into, into UX and research particularly was my field of interest, trying to just tease out the human nuances, particularly within the human-computer interaction space. Now, that is user experience design. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I was doing my thing in UX, finding my feet, the design side I really struggled with, but not so much the thinking side, you know, really putting my mind out there to all the different sources, chatting to people, using, you know, empathy, which is a thrown out word left, right, and center. But yeah, so I had been working towards a UX role a couple of years previously, and that we covered in our last chat where, you know, I started in magazine marketing, then into digital advertising, and then into user experience design. And, you know, that was really the crux of, of the thinking at the time for me of, of, applying, you know, whatever thinking I had accumulated over the years and experience. But there was still a gap in my thinking processes and the frameworks. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I lacked a bit of theory, a bit of um, almost academic guidance and academic qualification to, to my thinking. It was very much subjective as thinking is without a mm. doubt but mm. it was it was loose you know it was very loose and it wasn't you know i wasn't grounded in any particular um framework you know i didn't major in psychology or anything else you know i had a background in marketing that's what i studied but marketing is extremely broad so yeah after Getting my teeth really stuck into user experience design, I thought, you know, what I'm learning is a very practical form of user experience design, but I know that it has, user experience design has really broad and, and deep implications throughout the organization. And I felt that I needed to work my way up to, and because I struggled with the design facets, I've, I felt like I needed to work my way up the ladder per se, so that I could influence user experience at more of an organizational level. Yes. So and then you saw you, you saw an opportunity to then build out a new skill set that, that could then take you to that next level. 
Correct, correct. I felt like I needed to right. formalize formalize that learning. One, as a foot in the door. So I had read up and asked a lot of people about academic qualifications and their relevance. Mm-hmm. And although the self-taught person comes with a lot of credibility because they've shown that they can be proactive and take charge of their own situation. They're resourceful. So they get a lot of credit and kudos. Yet in more established environments with the full C-suite, senior management, with a lot of structure, the way that they assess someone's capability is generally, and this is an assumption, I can't say this for a fact, but they like to see that you've studied something that is highly relevant to their field. And if you said, I've learned a whole bunch of stuff and you know I can make this valuable to your business in this way, that's very subjective. Whether, Whereas if you've studied something for three years, two years, even a year, and you've got an accredited qualification in that field, that sets you apart. That says that I've been guided yes. by an academic or some other institution in this field. Got you. So that's something that I that's, that I thought I needed. And in hindsight, it's still hard to say whether, you know, getting that qualification has opened doors because in interviews, I bring it up and I'm like, yes, you know, I'm, yes. I'm really pushing this as a selling point of my skills. But it's really hard to know, you know, when people look at your CV, if because what contributed correct you know what is the waiting yeah. what is the waiting yeah, are they looking totally. at experience as like well, maybe just I'm, maybe just fill in you haven't mentioned yet what exactly you, you went and studied ah right right so building up to this point of you know i need or a formal qualification would be good i ended up taking a postgraduate diploma course in futures studies at stellenbosch business school Nice. As a, as a part-time program. So every Tuesday, I'd finish work at 3 o'clock, drive off to Stellenbosch. And yeah, I would sit in four-hour lectures on a Tuesday, Tuesday evening. And um, in the beginning, it was fantastic. It was back to a learning environment, a, a um, dedicated learning environment. We all learn in our own time whether directly or indirectly. But it was just great to be back at a learning environment where you're with people who also want to learn. They're also on their journeys, in their careers. But you also have facilitators who have deep, deep knowledge in whatever field you're going to study at. And they they guide your learning. And they really, they make sure that you're learning the right thing. You're learning... Mm. I mean, it's funny, like it's, it's similar to a personal trainer in a sense, like um, they are there to guide the process and facilitate the process of learning. It's like getting a, getting a teacher in anything is going to help you because it's going to keep you on track, put you on the right path. Uh, it's actually quite an interesting way to look at lecturers. You know, you don't have to, uh, people say, oh, you don't have to get a qualification. You don't have to go to the university to learn. But actually, the university is not just giving you the information in a stamp. It's actually guiding you through the learning process. Correct, correct. And they funnel your understanding. So mm. I remember being quite intimidated by the professors and the lecturers because they were hypercritical when you put out an opinion and a question, but not in, a, not in an abrasive sort of way. You know, they didn't put 
anyone mm. down, but you really thought twice before you asked a question. And that thinking twice is what we should all be doing is, you know, think before you speak. Yes. Catch you accountable. Exactly. And also you don't want to sound like you just say you're speaking for the sake of speaking. So <laughs> I wonder, yeah, I guess uh, with something like future studies, I wonder if people just they say random stuff like what if and like just unqualified stuff just to sound um just to sound almost like just to stir conversation yeah and think and think that's fine but in an academic environment or at least in a professional environment if you're looking at the future uh there are you should be saying things in an in a qual as qualified a way as you can it's not just like yeah it's out in the future and you can't um, say much concrete about it but whatever you say has to be as concrete as possible yes 100 percent. and what it really meant was that you know the the lecturers would always come back with set the scene give us the context of where your question is coming from otherwise your question its answer could vary dramatically interesting so you really because everything is kind of somewhat conditional and everything is obviously contextual Yes. And when you're going to ask a question, you are asking it from your own frame of reference within your own library of knowledge grounded in your reality. And that is not a shared reality. That is your reality and aspects of it are shared. So you really have to set the scene and set the stage for your question so that it can actually be pertinent and be answered in an intelligent way. There's many wow. ways to ask a question. Wow. So. And if, you, and if you were the person who just asked a question out of the blue, you would just get an answer from the professor, it depends. It depends. <laughs> and that That's was so really, yeah, and it was really frustrating, but it was a signal that you haven't qualified your question. You haven't grounded yes. it. In, you haven't given it any parameters, any boundaries. Ah, nice. Yeah, so. What a skill to learn, man. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. So really, I mean, just to come back to future studies and what it is, because when I tell people I've studied future studies, they're like, okay, it kind of goes over their head. Like, mm, yeah, right. So the way I explain it in a very layman sort of way is it's strategic planning. It's long-term mm. strategic planning, but it I goes see. into areas that are still... I'm sure potential employers love hearing that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I say that because that's what I want to do also. So nice, I put nice. it out there to not only gain some, not only to give some perspective as to what they can expect from someone who studied future studies, but also to say I'm qualified in this way. You know, someone who's doing strategy is someone who's thinking, hey, guess what? Yes. Brian really likes to think. So, you know, yes. and you know, all that we say is so soaked in our biases and our own dreams and hopes that we wish to plant as seeds in the minds of others so that mm -hmm. we can live out our realities with them. Wow, dude, that was, that was deep, man. That was, <laughs> where did that come from? That was a little nugget you just dropped there. <laughs> yeah, so. You've been thinking. You've been thinking. I've been thinking. <laughs> But you know it, Jamie, seriously. That was, that was awesome. Seriously. And 2019 was really hard because I did so much thinking. It was mm -hmm. lonely. I was studying in the mornings, sometimes in the evenings, but I'm not much of an evening person. When you get up at five o'clock, it's quite hard to be an evening person. 
Yes. So, um, but yeah, 2019 and doing that course was incredibly tough, you know, still having a full-time job, mm. having a girlfriend who lived abroad and trying to make mm. time for that, having an amazing group of friends, having interests like running and skateboarding and, and, you know, a social group of friends. It was really hard to balance all those things. And I can't remember who it said that it would be like that, but someone said that they won't be balanced because they can't be balanced because you need to put this course first if you're going to make a success out of it. And it wasn't just about passing. Wow. It was really about absorbing as much information as I could. So, yeah, sometimes we have to accept that there won't be balance. And as long as that balance is skewed for the right reason and you're quite aware of that reason, yes. then... Yes. And also, you took it on voluntarily. So going into it, you were like pretty prepared for what was coming. And also just thinking back to the time was that you, you know, as, as the group of friends, you also gave warning. You said, Hey guys, like I'm about to start this big thing. It's going to be a, a tough year with not much balance. Um, and, the, and that's so, so cool because um, it's setting expectations. That's like the, that's the best thing that you can do rather than pretending like, cause You'd rather say that and then things actually turn out fine than mm. not say it and hope by some miracle that there'll be balance, even though you're driving all the way out to Stellenbosch in four hours in the evenings and waking up. Like, let's rather not hope that that'll be fine. <laughs> like, let's rather yeah. let everyone know and say, guys, this is going to be a lot of imbalance. And I suppose for yourself as well, like you accepted um, that it was going to be a challenging time for you. For sure. And just again, coming back to planting seeds in other people's minds, part of telling everyone about doing the course and managing their, ex their expectation was also to get their perspective as, to get their perspective around, you know, how they might handle such a situation. It was also to get their feedback yeah. as to, you know, from my perspective, knowing what I know about you and knowing what I know about studying let me offer this bit of insight or this perspective. And that to me was really important is taking on the perspective nice. of others, of my friends who know me really well. So it was really, again, putting my context and situations in their minds so that they could be supportive and also to offer advice and, and insights. You know, we've all been through similar times in our lives where we've had to really double down on a commitment that you've made and that will come with sacrifices and you know i want to know how my friends handled that yeah that's really important to me so and you know you gave me great insights you also what i really appreciated is you said speak to this person and in that case it was daniel it was dan you said speak mm. to dan he went through a similar thing doing his masters so mm. it was beyond just you offering your opinion which in itself was really valuable it was also speak to this person and that i really appreciate yes yeah that's cool that's a really good example of network man like you're about to go through something reach out to your close network if they love you and they care about you they're going to put you in contact with other people in their network um, that little reaching out your hand for a bit of help can multiply and grow so um so nicely and unexpectedly sometimes definitely and it brings me back to Man, actually getting into UX because I studied a course two weeks in India in, on UX design, which was amazing and just incredible in so many ways. And coming back to South Africa and really wanting to get into UX, I 
had an interview with a really well-known local company and interview went well. But when I followed up and called the MD and found out that I didn't get the job, obviously I was bleak, but I didn't want to let the opportunity slip by. So I said to him, didn't he know any other agencies that were worth contacting who might need someone or might be yes. really renowned agencies to, to approach? And he then put me in touch with my former employer. Well, yes. yeah, that the then next put me employer. in touch. Exactly, exactly, yeah. which was. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really cool, man. And it's know, not like, it's not a. Um, like obviously it is an ask like it's not it's not something like someone someone's not just giving you that for free like they are giving you that out of their own graciousness um so we, you are still receiving something which you know is i think something should uh, we should be grateful for that but the point is like um don't underestimate how gracious people might be if you do ask 100% yes and also we must be narrow-minded. Obviously, we've got a set agenda and an objective, i.e. getting a job, but think broadly and laterally about the person you're speaking with. They have right. connections to other people who could employ you. Or, yes. I mean, guys get this. Guys do this really well when it comes to meeting girls. They know that girls have friends, so be, <laughs> you know, they, like, they exploit that in one aspect but when it comes to other aspects we become so narrow-minded and we, we right. can't see the opportunity beyond the immediate interaction and mm. that that's so limiting you know it's it's, yeah. really- it's always magical when you speak to someone who says when they're explaining um you know similarly to how you've explained it but when people explain their journey or how they got somewhere and they say oh yeah i met this person then i made a good relationship with them and then they said this and they said this and exactly. but, but the person explaining it to you it's sometimes magical when they also kind of had an insight into it. They're like, yeah, I was like, obviously, man, I was acting in a future, uh, like a foresight way the whole time. Um, Don't you act like that? (laughs) There's some people who do think like that. They think this much longer term and, um, you know, you, uh, by you sharing your stories, it's evident that you are also one of those people. You're thinking into the longer term the whole time and not necessarily in a, like a manipulative way at all well not not necessarily like not at all in a manipulative way but just having that foresight and thinking ahead it's really cool for sure and i see in a lot of my friends as well because if you don't know the end destination it's really irrelevant what journey you're on Mm. Mm. so to actually to actually take away any to take away any really valuable insights in your interactions with others, it, it pays to know how they could be used. Otherwise, insights and learnings get lost within the broader library of your mind. Whereas if you can, you know, within your mind palace, if you like this insight and this interaction is useful here in this space for this reason. And it's not about, as you say, being manipulative, but it's knowing that every interaction serves a purpose. We have to be somewhat purposeful in life and we have to acknowledge that some people come into our lives to serve a purpose and others Mm. less so and that's okay yes yeah it's cool like i think what you're touching on there is also there's a lot of a lot of different versions of that way of thinking in many different life philosophies the idea that make sure you know what you're aiming at so that when things come into your life you attribute certain events and certain people 
towards whether you know to whether they are in support of or not in support of the things you're aiming at and then suddenly once you start doing that everything starts multiplying because now you uh, heading in a direction very intentionally and every um, every interaction and event could be another gust of wind towards that direction if you are actually open to it correct correct and it's about gaining momentum and it's hard to gain momentum when you're changing direction all the time. Boom. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, and you really, yeah, you opened that thought up in my mind right now with, with previous statements you made. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've gone all over the show now and I'm trying to <laughs> try to take, try We to, have, sure. So, so I can maybe, I can maybe, um, get us back onto onto a track so so ryan since you got into doing those studies it was a tough year but you ended up finishing the studies and completing the the course and your vision kept getting bigger and bigger to where you wanted to take your career and where you wanted to take your life um let's chat a bit about that yeah so i must share something which is quite personal about the reason, one of the reasons why I also did that course through Stellenbosch Business School, and that was because I long, I long held that because I had never gone to a well-known university, I was I was maybe less appealing from an educational background point of view. So I had studied at Varsity College and. Whenever that came up socially, you know, people would have a comment or two. I'm not saying that it's a bad place because any opportunity is what you make of it. And, mm. you know, my course was through the IMM, which is even less well-known of an institution. So I was ready right. to fill that gap because I've been partly, maybe due to my own insecurities, I've been concerned and aware of the impressions of others. And I wanted to fill my academic background with an established institution so that I had that recognition because for some reason people assume that you've studied at a really well-renowned university. Now all of a sudden you're smart. It's just like a given. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's just a shortcut. It's just a proxy. Like that's what people do. Exactly. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I, but I also knew that beyond just filling this empty space that I had in myself or whatever it might have been, mm. I knew that it would have played into my longer future. And I, and I had big plans. I mean, I'd like to think of myself as being ambitious, but it's always quite hard to, to find out how you're going to realize these grand ambitions. And that was yes. made somewhat easier when I met my girlfriend, Ines, who is German and after much debate, we decided that, you know, our life would, our life together would start in Germany. So, mm. and we made that call kind of mid, early into my studies. So I knew, you know, once I finished this course, I need to use it and everything else that I have in my, in my power to, to get to Germany. But mm. speaking to people and just knowing that the competition was the world. It wasn't competing for a job in South Africa against South Africans. You know, I was setting myself up for competing against the world to get to a country that, you know, was, I suppose, considered appealing to a lot of people from a, from a career perspective. For sure. So that was the, 
that was the big, hairy, audacious goal. And it actually it galvanized my efforts when it came to my studies. Like, you know, I, I gave up so many weekends. It's, it's hard to mention. Mm-hmm. To think that, there's only 52 weekends in a year. And so I probably enjoyed about 20 of them uh, last year. But it was Max. all worth it. Yeah, exactly. It was all worth it in the in the long term well, and as things worked sure. out because you know i sit here now having got a job in germany and yes that's yeah. also subject to the current testing conditions of not being able to travel and the context of our current time yes. of pandemic of living through a pandemic and all that that means but you know when it comes to Black and white, you know, I've got a signed contract with a German company, a well-established yes. company. And yes. I, I, I say without a shadow of doubt that everything led up to that point. There was, there was not a thing that was irrelevant Sorry. in that journey that, that enabled me to get the first interview, the second, the third, I mean, the fourth. Yeah, man. I mean, we were talking about the, um, the actual... Um, content that you studied that I think it's because it wasn't necessarily in the line of work exactly in the line of work you do so because it was a bit hazy then it's hard to attribute uh, its you know contribution to landing the job but and then we were saying okay well yeah maybe it's the um, institution like it shows you've got it from a, a reputable institution so that means something so maybe that just says something by itself like maybe it's also it's a um, proxy for your ability to work hard and balance many things because you're working and studying and all of that so this guy clearly has a good work ethic so if anything like cool it's a proof of that but I mean maybe it was none of those things maybe it was the fact that you because you had gone to all that effort to, to get the studies your level of um, fight and confidence in you to perform well and say this is me like i know what i can do and i'm not gonna nothing i've done is going to waste here i'm putting it all out there like maybe that was the thing like maybe it was your drive that came from what you'd done before 100 percent, 100 percent. you know pushing through and getting through a really tough year of working and studying and balancing everything else and coming out largely on top of that challenge meant that, you know, whatever would be thrown at me from a interview and mm. an application point of view, I could, I could deal with. And you know, what's really interesting is I find that, you know, what the course did give me and you were spot on about, it's hard to attribute the value of the course when it doesn't apply directly to the work that I do. That is, it's, that is really insightful and it's actually the first time i've i've landed on that thought as crystal clear as as you've mentioned it now in my mind but um the course gave me thinking tools which would be so hard to make explicit in how i arrive at a solution they are so subconscious but they are there and they are working and they are giving you ideas and perspectives and lines of questioning and just insight in a way that is hard to always qualify to say where did you come up with that idea and why did you decide to read that article and how did you formalize it all into this argument and that stuff is is really it's really hard to always reason after the fact and say oh yeah i did this and i did that and I, i knew that this would be useful so i looked into that so i think you know all the skills that we 
acquire and when I say skills, I mean the things that we learn, they, they go into your mind and the fact that you can't remember them per se and, and would be able to quote a really strong theoretical model doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in your mind and is yeah. it's just a it, it becomes a it's, it's a linkage it's a node of of insights that when added to new challenges and when used in novel ways unleashes a whole bunch of interesting thoughts and perspectives and we're overusing so this word but and insights so yes but also i mean maybe maybe pushing through those uh, challenging times and um you know that just the act of furthering your studies and going through that process maybe it also is just uh, it builds a sense of maturity as well so maybe that the it's not just like the skills or the fr- the ways of thinking but then maybe it's also the maturity that comes from it as well so um you're not just developing unique insights but it's the way you handle yourself the way you communicate um the way the way you conduct your like the way you conduct all those skills and learnings and stuff. So you're not doing it because you, the same person with less maturity wouldn't be able to um, achieve uh, the same results. So it's pretty like, I think it's quite encouraging when what we've done now is pick apart like all those different layers and contributions to putting an effort, learning more, pushing yourself. Like they're all these extra benefits that come from it that aren't, that can't be explained um, that yeah. can't be can't put your finger on it, but it's definitely definitely making um, an impact on and on your character as well. And like, there's just so much, there's so much that it cha- it shapes you. Um, so like, you'll never you'll never be able to pull apart all the pieces that shape you. And doing something like, uh, you know, I've had uh, you know, another friend of mine do like an MBA while working, and it they, it destroys people. <laughs> like it hurts, it hurts so much, but um, it really takes you to another level. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've had people, yeah, do uh, a, co- a past colleague of mine did um, a post grad uh, while working, but not just working as a you know, as a random person in the company, but leading a team and setting strategy and, uh, you know, really big stuff while also studying at the same time. And, I, you know, I don't know if it's, um, uh, like, as we say, I don't know if it's directly related, but what ended up happening to that person is they ended up accelerating through the ranks at the company, like started leading way bigger teams. It's like, okay, well, I don't know, maybe the, the studying at the same time as doing the other stuff just created a mature person who is, uh, you know, in touch with themselves, is able to assess certain situations a bit better, um, is able to balance their time and energy better, is able to appreciate time when they have it so they use it better. Like, geez, man, there's so many, so many things that could come from it and we can't explain it, but it's there. I 100% agree. And I do think that there's a lot of value and synergy in working and studying because wow. you are you are going through coursework and all sorts of material which in some form have relevance to the work that you do every day. So all of a sudden, you're coming to work with this whole new perspective. You've just learned or read a journal or learned about a model and you just have a different way of thinking about a problem. And the, the thing is when you've been in your same line of work for a long period of time, you get 
you get established ways of thinking about things and you really break the mold. And when you go out there and you learn a whole new way of thinking and you're forced to apply that because, and that's what I also appreciate with formalized education is you have to demonstrate that you, that you understand it. You know, it's actually, you have, you're held exceptionally accountable. You have to write a test, an exam, an assignment, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to demonstrate, you know, a deep enough knowledge about the subject. And all of a sudden you've put in all the work to understand a subject. When you come to work, you can't just go back to old ways. It's like impossible because you're so <laughs> in your yeah. coursework, you're so in the, the work that you have to do for university or whatever it might be that your thinking is forever altered and you mm. see the opportunities. And I think, you know, one thing that's been really big for me is, yeah, the course that I did and all my other experience has just enabled me to have deeper thoughts than what I would have had otherwise, but they've always been raw. And I've always worked with people to take them and shape them into really powerful standalone ideas that aren't dependent on all the other knowledge that I have in my mind, which other people won't. Okay, okay. So it's bringing that... that it's, I want to say depth of thought, but we all can be kind of deep thinkers in our own way. But it's, it's coming with a lot of good raw material that can be shaped by your peers, by your wider team, by the organization. So that for me was really, yes. really important. Yeah, I guess. So are you saying that you, um, that's, a, that's like a meta skill that you're quite keen on developing is um, – that ability to conceptualize, but then also rally people around refining that conceptualization. Correct. Hit the nail on the head, you know, and, awesome. and the two of us have collaborated in such, in such a fashion before. And yeah. I, I fundamentally believe that, you know, I can produce really good work by myself, like cool, kudos to me, but you know, that might take me two days. Whereas it could take me a day if I did half a day's work by myself and the other half of the day spent refining the idea with someone else, different perspective, different yes. shaping, different tools of thought, which can then forge the idea and take it further. So, yeah. Totally. I don't think we acquire all the skills just because we have a PhD and, you know, collaboration. And it's, it's really, and it was something that we really focused on in our course, which was multiple perspectives. Because right. we are, we are so driven by our own model and frame of the world that sometimes it's hard to see opportunities that are literally, you know, ten centimeters apart. Totally, man. When I have collaboration opportunities with, there's some people I collaborate with sometimes, and I, after the collaborations, I always, I always think to myself like, wow, that I'm so glad when I was saying X they were like, no, 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 man. Like, why don't we just try why? And I always appreciate that because I, exactly what you've just said, like I've got my way of thinking and I've got these structures and they they work for me at, you know, enough. And that's why like I'm get it, getting where I'm getting and whatever. But the thing is, there's, there's just this blind spot sometimes where you're on your track and someone says, no, man, let's do it this way. And the best collaborators are the people who can bring light and push you just slightly into a new direction, um, whether that be, uh, you know, being a bit more risky or a bit more conservative or a bit more open in some ways. And, and so the, the um, or, of course, 
thinking from a different angle and we did speak about perspectives as well, but it's also like um, the approach, you know, do we, does someone maybe push you to work faster or does someone push you to work slower or like there's, there's all those um, angles as well that can come from collaboration. And then I guess like a whole other level on it is how can you, so on the one hand you can work by yourself, but then you can collaborate, but how could you even work? So collaborate but then also teach that output as well. So you collaborate to create the output, then collaborate to teach the output. Whoa, man, you'd probably, you'd probably be able to create yeah, some incredible stuff through that. that must, maybe we should actually be looking out for examples of that. It's like when, when have people collaborated and then also gone and taught it and has that impacted the, the idea is what I'm actually thinking. Because like you were saying about, conceptualizing ideas but um doing that in your own head but the power of thinking that you're gonna teach it means that you have to make sure the idea is really solid and simple and explainable mm-hmm. which means you have to exactly. really break it down exactly and i think it comes down to the best managers being the best collaborators you know nice. people who can push a, a piece of subject matter into a better state than they found it are people that enable that through unique interactions with other people usually, you know, or with other mm. forms of self. So like if we take this on a singular perspective, you know, like some people do their best work in the morning, but then they still have these light bulb moments late at night in the shower Yes. But ultimately, it's it's a different mindset, and there are different mindsets within different individuals. So why not take advantage of that every day in the work that you do, in trying to bring out the best in you know the situation by encouraging everyone to voice their opinion and to collaborate yes. to make something better. And well, man, really- then I've got a question. I've got a question for you on that. Then, man, is how do you feel about the modern? way of work which is everyone isolated chatting on instant messenger and collaborating on uh, google docs and stuff like that like do you think we're missing out on opportunities to mix our ideas around 100 percent, i really do and that in-person collaboration is so valuable for you know good ideas to come to the fore it also requires a lot of trust and a lot of you have to be comfortable in your skin. You have to be comfortable with the people you're with. And we right. know that, that that's always missing in asynchronous communication. You know, tone is missing on yes. messaging. And, you know, that whole human side of it is lacking. And that is so important when it comes to, you know, suggesting a different way of working or a different way of looking at things. It's so easy to dismiss it when it's like, when it's an instant message, you say, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's park it for now. But yeah. if you're actually in a session together, you can be like, it's hard to dismiss as easily because uh-huh. you literally have to look at that person in the eyes and say, yes, cool, let's park that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's hard to do. And, and that's yeah. for good reason. You should hear people out. So, mm. But I do also agree with some perspective which encourage people working in isolation because I think you need to formalize an idea sufficiently in your head before you bring it 
to the wider group. Otherwise, you right. end up wasting their time while you're trying to figure it out with them when right. they really figure it out because they don't know what you what you have deep in your mind. You've got it so crystal clear in your mind, but yes. you're still trying to communicate that vision and you can you can waste a lot of time in such sessions when you're trying to figure it out for yourself with other people because they'll end up confusing you. Totally. So you so, yeah, I'm also trying to figure out a way though to use people to um, flesh out something that isn't yet crystal in my head. So not like I've usually been someone who like what you've said is tries, I try to get it as solid in my head as possible before I share it for reasons that you said, you know, you don't want to waste people's time. You want to make sure the idea lands as well. Like if you've thought about it a bit more, the idea might land a bit better if you deliver it once it's uh, more solid in your head. However, I don't know if like the, the downside of that is, is wasting time and missing out on another angle on your idea by bouncing it around with someone just to, just to get it coming out of your mouth and flowing and get the other person to throw different perspectives at you to get you to think like a thinking partner pretty much mm -hmm. and using that. So maybe that's the, there must be some balance in there somewhere. Cause I think I agree with you about the thing of don't call a meeting with 10 people and say, Hey guys, I'm kind of thinking about this thing because they, the people aren't going to appreciate that. Uh, but may, like, how do you, yeah. How do you reach out to someone and say, Hey, I've got this rough idea. Would you be able to just listen? Can I talk at you? And, and we we hash this out together. I don't know if that's. I've never really felt that as like a concept. Uh, it's never really been, at least in my circles, uh, as much as I've worked and uh, collaborated with people. Like, never really felt that's been a comfortable thing. Like just saying to someone, "Yo, can I literally just talk to you about this random idea so I can flesh it out?" Um, it's almost like a nice little social contract to just say, Hey, like, let's, let's be able to do this for each other. Um, I th yeah, I think there's a cool opportunity there. I mean, I would like the, if it's, if it's short bursts of time, I think there's going to be, a, um, times when it can be a bit overboard. If someone's continually rashing you with half baked ideas and then never take them anywhere, like there's obviously going to be an issue there, but I think if it's short, considerate amounts of time, if it's, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and then, uh, you know, sometimes longer, but if the expectation is like, Hey, I just want your time to bounce something around and then I'll go back to, um, go back to what I was doing. Um, I think there's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to be more open to trying to figure out how to do that more and more because I, like we were saying earlier, when we were talking about the stuck trains of thought and yeah. structures that we have, I think there've been times when I've noticed, like I'll get stuck on something um, like legitimately like, Oh, I can't just, I can't work anymore on this thing. It's just not make, making, it's not clicking for me then reaching out to someone who I know thinks uh, a bit more in that realm. And then yeah. immediately after like half an hour with them, I'm speeding off again, like so sorted. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, sure. it's such a powerful way to get back on track. Yeah. You've mentioned so many good points there, Jamie, really. And I think it comes down to, in my mind, at least knowing when to share an idea, you know, because you can't always wait until it's fully fleshed out because then maybe you've missed 
a great time for someone to actually provide something insightful, which would grow it in a completely different way, which would be more valuable. So knowing right. when to engage with that person and also setting the parameters of the engagement. Like you've actually been really good at this where you've asked me, Ryan, are you asking for my feedback to check the the spelling? Because I know you suck at spelling. Or is it like the flow, the structure of the diagram? What are you expecting yes. of me? And I think it's so critical. I don't think we set that expectation yes. up front. And then people get a feedback that we don't want. We like That's literally true. don't want that feedback. But, but we never we never ask for, <laughs> for what we for what we did want. And then another thing it comes down yes. to is just relationships. When you work with a team over time, they know they know how to work with you. They know when to say, Jamie, that idea is not fleshed out sufficiently in your mind for me to add something constructive at this point. With all due respect, right. but can you go and flesh it out? It's like, cool, fine. So, so I do need to flesh it out a bit more. It's just about knowing each other well enough to get the most out of every engagement so that as to yes. not, not just be distracting and um, detract from the collaboration and rather make sure that you understand the, the working relationship and understand the person enough to know, well, if I bug them three times in an hour, they're going to be upset. You know, just to know someone well enough. And that requires yes. like human to human contact and bonding and like it, it requires us to be in the same so room and true. to learn about each other on a personal level so that we know how to best engage with one another so that's so I, true man it, basically what you're touching on is there probably aren't rules or guidelines to put on you know only make sure it's only 10 minutes long and make sure you're not bugging them five times a day and make sure like they probably aren't set rules it's probably all comes down to build strong trusting relationships and then interact with them exactly and it comes down to emotional intelligence like right like that's for me the core subject that we that we're talking about because when you're emotionally intelligent you know these you know how to engage with someone because you read their the vibes that they're putting out you read their the energy their physical and non-physical cues as to this guy's frustrating me and guess what we lose all of that when it's asynchronous when that person is removed from your physical environment so i don't think i don't think we've reached a point of developing emotional intelligence digitally you know remotely no, not yet, man. Or at least not through text. We know that for sure. Text is just <laughs> the worst thing of the the number of fights that break out through miscommunication and text. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we know text doesn't work. I find voice notes work can work pretty well. It's not the same because you miss the physical, like not being able to look into someone's eyes. Like it makes a huge difference not being able to do that. Um, the video calls are getting better, man. Like I really think... Video, some video calls are sometimes it feels like you're there with the person, which is it's pretty impressive. So, I don't know if that's an internet connection thing, I don't know if that's an app, the particular app that you use, but I think we're getting there. So, I've got faith that remote strong connection will get better, but even then you won't have the physical, like you won't have the handshake, you won't have the hug, you won't have the hand on the shoulder. Um, 
you miss you miss out on all that. You won't have the high five. Like there's so much stuff you miss out on if you don't have the physical. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, maybe maybe we'll never. I mean, unless there's some weird VR like stimulate your hand muscle to feel an impulse of a high five. I mean, I wouldn't put it past us getting to that point. Uh, but until then. It seems like the physical is yeah, always going to create that stronger bond and the stronger trust. Correct, because the physical exchange has a whole bunch of constraints which we take for granted. You're in a room with that person or you're in their space, uh, you're in their presence, right. and all of a sudden there are so many social norms that just come upon you that you know you can't be looking at your phone. Yes, so, and I think when we have really good conversations remotely, it's because of the human element, i.e. you're talking to someone you trust or you're having a really engaging conversation and you've put away all the other distractions. So all of a sudden, mm. regardless of the medium, voice note, video calling, um, just voice calling, like if the conversation is stimulating and you respect the other person enough to give them your full attention, it's likely to be a really stimulating and, and worthwhile conversation that could, as you say, mimic a physical conversation, but that's because yes. you're present. It's like yes. it comes in aware and these things are like emotional qualities. Uh, I mean, maybe that's right. oversimplification. Maybe, you know, psychologists would disagree. You know, it comes back to being, <laughs> A human and, and and a good human and like when we when we text guess guess what we're not human we're we're like a computer interpretation of ourselves <laughs> like that is text yeah. we're yeah. robots but like voice notes it's still here <laughs> it can be robotic but you can you can hear someone's humanity yes. video calls you can see their humanity yes so i mean i'm i'm a huge humor humanist by nature and like that's why I've always been drawn to nice. user experience. What exactly does that mean? Like, being a humanist. So it's actually, I don't know the the denotation. So I'll just no, give I mean, you your, my connotation. Your, what does it mean to you? It's it means placing a very high level of value to people to personal exchanges, to nice. be very considerate of others. And it's got, it's got elements of being selfless and recognizing the, the value of the exchange between humans. Nice. I mean, it calls, you're also reminding me, it could also be a part of saying... Um, that you treat people as ends in themselves and not means to an end. So you really exactly. care about the person and you're not thinking, oh, I'm doing this meeting because I've got a deadline or you know, I need to chat to this person because they, they need to give me this information so I can complete this thing. Like if you're really thinking about the person on the other end of the, of the interaction, then you're thinking, okay, well, would it be good to send this as a text or should I be a bit more polite in the text? Should I rather send a voice note? Should we have a meeting about this? Um, maybe that starts tying into it as saying, how can I think about this as an interaction with a person rather than a mm -hmm. transaction that I need to do?
Correct, correct. And, you know, digital services, digital devices have made us so much more transactional than we're actually aware of. Yeah, totally. And it's that lack of awareness that is actually the root cause of of a lot of miscommunication when it comes to digital communication. Because we do yeah. things digitally that we would never think to do in real life. Like just walk up to someone yeah. and go, when can we meet to discuss something? Because they'll be like, oh, hello, nice to see you, person. <laughs> like, how are you doing? <laughs> That's so true. That's so true, man. Yeah. So like the, basically what you're saying is yeah. when you describe it like that, the pleasantries of email, you know, Hey Ryan, like hope you're well, <laughs> like all those pleasantries. I know they get a bad rap, but like they make sense because you're talking to a human. <laughs> like You wouldn't do that if you just walked up to them and said, when are those things get, getting to me? Or like, when's this due? Um, yeah. Well, I guess in the same way, um, there are some people you could say that to. So there is like, if there are close people that you trust or that, you know, deeply, they can just walk up to you and say, Hey man, like, where's that thing? Uh, quite, um, in quite a short way. Um, so I guess like it's about us saying, how do we bring awareness to our digital interactions so that they are, um, treated similarly to interactions with people in a, in a, in person way 100 percent, exactly that and when you engage with someone on a very transactional way it's usually because you have some history with them you have some yes. form of a relationship with them which entitles you to skip the pleasantries because you guys have shared jokes you've been out for beers and that's okay the baseline is set yes exactly but you See, when you when people chat to someone that they some they chat to someone from whom they need something and they have no baseline, you'll see the pleasantries come out of the woodwork. That person is complimenting them on their <laughs> shoes. Um, they are looking for to make that transaction seamless. Yes. So they're looking for those social. I'm going to be weird here. Social lubricants. To make the transaction <laughs> seamless, and those are like human things to do. Like, yeah, totally. Should we wrap up, Ryan? We've yes, yeah, for sure. That yes. I really, I've really enjoyed chatting to you as always. You're a, you're a great humanist. You're a great, yeah, just someone who's easy to talk to and and bring out goodness in others and comfort in others to allow them to feel their, their true selves, which is not something that everyone is able to do um, in these transactional times. So, yeah, thanks very much for making the time as always. Thanks so much, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed chatting to you as well. And, like, right back at you, man. I think you have that ability to see the human on the other side and you make an effort to um, acknowledge that. So really appreciate that too, man. Thank you so much for the chat. No worries. Chat soon. Thanks so much. Thanks to everyone listening. Goodbye.